0: Together, it is so important uh, that we spend some time together, make our connections. Um, this is the community that, that God has given us. And so we want to, um, to be intentional about being with each other, not just on a Sunday, but how you connect in the community, um, phone calls, prayer for one another, those kinds of things that, that keep us together. So we're continuing um, in our sermon series on spiritual connections um, today. Uh, And I pray that it will bless you. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks so much for loving us and bringing us together. We honor you, Lord, with the offering of our lives in worship, Father. We honor you because you're God and there's no one else we've experienced like you. We honor you, Lord, because you're so good and so worthy to be praised. So we ask that you would just move in this uh, service today, have your way. Um, Holy Spirit, guide and keep us. Um, and we pray for the all your all comp- uh, um, encompassing peace to envelop us. This is our prayer in Christ's name, Amen. Um, Andrew, I'll turn worship over to you. Said before continues our sermon series series on being spiritually connected um, and i'd just like to jump in i want to let you know first of all that we're going to we're changing the order of service a bit so in the future we'll start off with um our welcome and greeting um uh, two songs and then i'll go directly into service and announcements will follow uh for the next uh at least five weeks this is how we're going to go um so and that make me want to jump into announcements but i won't do that so again our sermon series is still um, on connections so today's uh, sermon is titled lost connections alone still isn't good okay so um what was life like for those first humans to be created in the image and likeness of god sounds amazing to be given a dynamic purpose, a purpose that would radiate through time and through the actual spaces here on earth, and humanity could be with and talk to and enjoy God. You know, you talk about being given the breath of life, and in those things, you can see that there is life that was given, not only to animate our bodies, but to give us a sense of purpose and hope. Humanity became living beings. Humanity became real. And in the story, and in the story of the beginning, given up to us to understand some things about our origin and the, our origin, reality is framed by these three things: one, being made in the image and likeness of God; two, having a dynamic purpose; and being in relationship and trusting the Creator to know us and allowing us to know them. Let's define these three things that, that we are using as a frame. I, I just wanted to define them a little so we can hold on to meaning as we continue to talk. The first, being made in the image and likeness of God. Um, we believe God is triune. Three persons existing in such complete unity, they exist as the one God we serve. So God created us to find completeness in our unity with one another, so that we may be many, but out of the many, there's one. The second, having a dynamic purpose, God gave us a purpose that radiates, that emits an energy in the form of of, of rays or waves that pass through time, that connect us through time and in our spaces. We were told to be fruitful, to fill the earth, and to cultivate it in Genesis 1:28, There's an energy to our purpose that has, um, that has formed and continues to form ripples in time. The third, being in relationship with and trusting the creator. We were created to experience God's existence, God's character of love, to trust God to know us, to provide for us, and trust God to allow us, again, to know them, the one God. But something happened. That has had a dynamic impact on these three things that we, by which I'm asking us to frame our existence. Now, I want to try to keep this simple. I keep reminding myself that. I use that kiss analogy. And so this morning, I want to give you a sweet, holy kiss by keeping it simple saying, right? Something happened that separated us from God, each other and the rest of creation. Traditionally, the story in scripture, again, is called the fall of man or the fall of humanity. I don't like that. I don't think it's an adequate uh, or useful description of what happened. In truth, I think it is a description that actually demonstrates how separateness has become a part of our life. The fall of man or humanity. I see that being uh, that label being a part of the broken mental model we have regarding authority and power. But We're going to get into that later in our sermon. Something happened. We discussed the separation on our last couple of sermons. So today I want to talk about the impact of the separation. What happened in the separation can be found in the story given to us in the third chapter of the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. I want to talk about it today. I want us to to explore the impact of separation on us. First, I need to lay some groundwork. After being created, being given, after being given uno- uh, one another, uh, other humans with whom to experience relationship, after being given an amazing purpose, with the raw Materials and a methodology to fulfill that purpose. The methodology being seed, time, and harvest. We'll talk about that later too. After being given the precious gift of God's presence, then came the separation, the rending of the fabric and nature of our framework of existence, being made in the image of God. So God created us to find completeness in our unity with one another. But the rending of this was sudden and violent. There was peace between the two humans, and then there wasn't. All they had known was that they trusted each other, worked together, and enjoyed life before they hadn't um, focused on how they were different. They didn't make an issue of one being superior and another being inferior. They focused on their common creation, on their common purpose, on how their differences worked to help them fulfill their collective purpose. In the second, the dynamic of purpose, purpose, again, that purpose was to radiate throughout time and space. This to experience that same violent rending, to be fruitful and to fill the earth and to cultivate it, was distorted. There was to be experienced with joy and celebration. After the separation, we're told as a result of this rending, they would experience fruitfulness with pain. There would be relational struggle with each other, and even the very earth in our attempts to fill it and cultivate it would cause pain. Being in relationship with and trusting the creator, the rending of that relationship as a result... We are filled sometimes with a misunderstanding of God. Our attempts to make, we attempt to make cover stories. By that, I mean we attempt to explain our existence for ourselves without the intimate guiding relationship that we have with with God through the Holy Spirit. And that's counter to what we were told. That's counter to that framework of existing in loving relationship and trusting relationship with God. This impact was made visual through the story. It lifts off the pages of scripture and becomes a a scene that has moving images, at least in my mind and in my imagination. All those things that I described happened. And as a result of those things happening, those first humans could no longer stay in the garden. They were no longer in the state of their original existence. They had to move out from the garden, that place, that was created and framed for all of us to experience life from the framework that God gave us was no more. Created for unity, now existing in disunity. Created to fulfill purpose through a kind of flowing unity with God, humanity, and the rest of creation. Now struggling to make ourselves and creation and even God do what we individually want through inappropriate connections that we think will help us fulfill our purpose. Created to have a trusting relationship with God, we're now suspicious sometimes of God's plans and what it's gonna ask of us, what it'll do to us, how it will change us in ways we may not want to be be, be changed. We struggle to trust God's motivations for relationship with us. We mentally assent, yes, this is good and this is how it's supposed to be. But the response that happens inside of us is somewhat a wait and see or I have to be tentative when I approach God because I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. We have mental models that say God is demanding and that God cannot be satisfied that God is looking for ways and opportunities to keep us separated or to condemn us. And we try to put a good face on these things by saying, you know, it's not God, it's us, and if we would do better. And so we develop legalistic models to help us understand our pursuit of God. And they quite often, at least I found in my life, they don't work. They haven't worked for me so well. The coverings that I've created, the coverings that I have, uh, the cover stories and things that I have heard in the church haven't worked to help me understand who this God is and how I can better relate to God. But it's important for us to understand, and this is an important note, it's important for us to understand that God has provided us coverings in our innocence. Scripture tells us that humanity in our original state was covered in God's glory. And so we know that after the separation, God provided covering again in uh, the sacrifice of the animals so that he could make for, she could make for humanity uh, clothes made from animal skin, animal furs. And then ultimately god provided covering through the living jesus through the the jesus sandwich of life death and life taking up again i know i know that's a lot of stuff to 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 take in and to think about um and we can and we should explore the wealth of that but i want to remind us that I want to focus in on the KISS, on giving us a solid background, a solid foundation to build upon. And over time, we'll get to all those other things. But I want to plant this seed of understanding. It is so critical about our creation and our separation from God. And so to me, and I hope you find value in it, that it's been worth the weeks talking about this of thinking about this of possibly you're reading and going back and rereading scripture and look listening to the sermon again to hear it and if you have questions i want you to feel free to, to call me to email me those questions and we can talk together humanity's reality framework that framework of of being like god of having purpose and being in relationship was split and torn apart. So what impact did that have on humanity? That impact was trauma. In the news, uh, Mosaic newsletter, I define trauma this way, as injury or wounding that causes a disordered psychic or behavioral state causing severe emotional or physical pain, stress, physical injury. I want to talk about what happens in the brain a little bit with trauma. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't want to lay any claim to being it. I'm not a psychologist. I don't want to make any claim to that either. I can't even say I played one in a movie or in a play cuz I haven't. I'm just a lay person, and I'm going to share my lay person's understanding of this and how it relates to the scripture. There are many of you that probably have a deeper understanding of trauma, and I invite you, and I want to beg you, to speak up if you do, because I want to learn. I want us to deepen our understanding, our collective understanding of this, and you may be able to help us with that. There is a place for you and room for you to speak up and share with us. I want us to see how this original trauma that happened in the beginning, through the story that God has given us, um, I want us to understand how it impacted us then and its continued impact. So, the human brain. The human brain has two major regions, the cortical region and the subcortical region. I'm just going to keep it basic, right? But in the cortical region, it's the largest portion of the brain that it gets the forward, this part of the brain, right? And it plays a key role in our perceptions, our awareness, our thoughts and memory, our language, and even our consciousness. Some scholars refer to this region as the human brain. So so if we call this the human brain, then the subcortical region can be referred to, and that's that back part, smaller part of the brain that includes the brain stem. It can be referred to, or it's referred to as the animal brain. And it's a very simplistic explanation, but that portion of the brain is responsible for our primal responses. This is where we experience fight, flight, freeze, or collapse responses. It's called the animal brain because it models the brain of animals. Animals are pure instinct. And so they have those responses. It comes out of them. They respond to stimuli. And their response is said to be without conscious thought. When we recognize threats, this is a section or the portion of our brain that has the immediate response. Our cortical brain kicks in sometimes uh, to define responses. You um, hear a loud bang or pop outside and your animal brain may cause you to hit the floor. But the human brain paw, uh, portion of us causes us to stop and see if we can make a differenti- differentiate in the sound. Was it the pop of a gun? Was it the backfiring of a car? Was it fireworks going on? And, and the front part of our brain the cortical the um that region that first region helps us to reason and to think and to calm down okay so the animal part, part of the brain the subcortical re- region is the quick response center so it's faster than the cortical region So in talking about the story given to us to understand our origins, we can understand this, that in the pre-separation state of humanity, that quick response center wasn't needed as much. I want to suggest that there was a balance in the responses, but but humanity didn't need a fear response in the way that we understand fear today. We were constantly, we today are constantly on guard from the boogeyman around the corner, from the monster under the bed, from the thing that we can't see that's gonna pop up and jump at us. That sudden thing, disconcerting thing that could happen. In truth, many of us live in such a way that we're on guard for that monster to come out of even ourselves, out of our significant others, whether they be spouses or friend, deep friendships or family, children, mothers, grandmothers, or even strangers. We're primed for that to come out with, uh, and stay in a state when you know we're in a situation where there may be animals we don't expect, when that possum or that raccoon is by the garbage can for us city folks, right? We're primed for that response with all created things and even things in nature, like a storm when it comes up. Now I could be wrong, but I'm going to say that humanity before the separation didn't really have a problem with those things, but being in a state of hyper arousal is something that we exist in, many of us live with day to day, but it wasn't something that filled their lives until the trauma of separation now again this is how god chose to explain to humans of old and even today this the story of our separation i don't know if it was like an actual story of something that really happened or for, it is a um, fictional account that helps us understand some basic principles. All I know is this, we're presented with these stories and I want to learn as much as I can from them. So my understanding is this. Now, in the story uh, given to us in Genesis, uh, week three, we covered that last week. of What happened, how God, how the humans took something that God did not freely give to them and the resulting separation, there are consequences that were resulting from that, that are laid out in scripture for us. The consequences as a result of those actions that separated. This is not, I want to be clear, the consequences, it's not what God intended for us not what God intended, it's not how God intended us to live, but it's the consequences of our actions. And I also wanna say that it is not a complete listing of the consequences of separation, because as we look through scripture, we see more and more of those conse- uh, consequences on display for us to help us understand our relationship. I had a professor in seminary, his name was uh, Dr. Michael McDonald, And he called the Bible. He said, yes, this is the word of God. But it's also the word of God as God is talking to us about the human condition. And we need to understand the things that are of the human condition. And we need to understand the things that God is doing as a result of our now condition of separation. I add to that is we need to understand what God intended from the beginning because that's the framework that God wants us to have, to understand the rest. I hope that makes sense. So, chapter 3 in Genesis gives us some, um, some consequences. Now, it's really interesting because when we, my traditional church upbringing for these consequences have placed a load of um, stuff that I've had to overcome in the course of my lifetime. As a woman, um, to understand guys and uh, the way that it has been, it had been explained to me, and I have spent a lot of time in my own personal study in school and with God, trying to learn the things I want to share. Now, this is what I've learned. As always, I believe in your agency. I want to influence you to study and to see these things for yourself. I'm not speaking to you as a dictator that says you have to believe because thus says your pastor. We're in this journey. We're on this road together. And I'm sharing my understanding in hopes that it will aid you and it will aid us as we journey together in life. So Genesis, uh, the third chapter, verses 14 through 19. Now, if you have your Bible, if you can grab one real quick, please do that. Um, if you want to follow along, I'm going to read um, aloud, and I've chosen to read from the Message Bible, just because it's simple and it can help us in our understanding. It presents a simple picture. So, verse 14. This is what God told the serpent after the serpent did its work of manipulation for the, for the uh, original humans. Right? God said. Because, serpent, you've done this thing. You're cursed. Cursed beyond all cattle and all wild animals. Cursed to slink on your belly and to eat dirt all your life. I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He'll wound your head and you'll bruise or wound his heel. So we have from this consequence uh, for the for serp- the serpent, what we see is there's now a hierarchy of relationship in the animal kingdom, right? So, and we see that because now the serpent is placed in the lowest possible position in the animal kingdom. And we also see the first declaration of God's ultimate covering intervention for humanity. The uh, coming that, prediction that a savior messiah christ would come next in genesis 3:16, god said to the woman i'll multiply your pain in childbirth you'll give birth to your babies in pain you'll want to please your husband but he'll lord it over you so we have the consequence for the woman And what we see again is that there's a hierarchy being erected where the female is subjected to pain and to being ruled over as she walks to fulfill her work her role her purpose in in creation and the understanding that for females in this story there's a desire for unity with her husband, but something seems seemingly gets in the way. The inability to reach satisfying unity is there, but in is there for her, but in the male, the story tells us that the male will lord over her. Now, listen, this is not, ne- this was never intended, it's not a good thing. From its mere location in scripture, we understand that it's not a good thing, okay? Basically what it was saying is you're both going to struggle for the kind of unity you had before the separation. Now, in this is a word, not just for the woman, but for the male. Males may not value unity as much or put a premium on unity like it was. Lording over stuff is gonna be a problem and it's described as a problem for males, but in truth, all the scriptures are speaking to us. You see, there's a pattern in these consequence statements, right? It's addressed to a particular thing, the serpent or person, the male or the female, but it also speaks beyond that person or thing to show its impact on others. Serpent, the direct consequence was to it, but the coming of Christ was a consequence that's coming out of it for others. To the woman, the direct consequence was to her, but also seen as in this is the male's struggle with unity also. You're going to desire unity and struggle with it from this perspective, and And the male is going to struggle with it from another perspective, wanting to be top and head. That's going to be the struggle that's going to exist. Genesis 17 through 19, God said to the male, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, don't eat from this tree. The very ground is cursed because of you. Getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies for your wife. You'll be working in pain all your life. The ground will sprout up thorns and weeds. You'll get your food the hard way, planting and tilling and harvesting sweating in the fields from dawn to dusk until you return to the ground yourself dead and buried you started out as dust you'll end up as dust. the consequence for the man or the male relational struggle with all creation because it says because you listen to your wife you say that again because you listen to your wife is not pronouncing that males listening to their wives is a bad thing. It is not that pronouncement. What it's saying is humans not holding one another accountable isn't good. Leaving each other alone to figure out things by ourselves isn't good. Not saying things like, whoa, lady, whoa, babe. I understand why you added on to what God said when you add it, we shouldn't even touch that tree of knowledge of good and evil. I understand why you said that, because you want to keep yourself far from disobeying God, but but hold up. That, that, that's not what he, That's not what God said. That's not what she said. God didn't say that we couldn't touch it. We may need to touch it to examine it with God and know what we are to do with this tree, with the fact that this kind of knowledge of good and evil exists in the world that we live in but what God said is we can't consume it. So in this, we see that the importance of communicating regarding our purpose with one another and regarding how we use the resources that God has given us. We see the importance of unity as a safekeeping system for one another. Yet still in the consequences of their actions, There's some unity. There's unity in the struggle. The female will experience pain in childbirth, and the male will experience pain in filling the earth and cultivating it. Humanity will experience pain in each other's pain. As a woman gives birth, the husband is there, and in times feels impotent to really help her through that pain, they're breathing and things, but to be able to 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 love her so much that you want to remove that pain from her is present. And it and it, it there is a pain that, that's associated with it. Our collective experience of filling the earth and cultivating it and trying to get, you know, things to grow that we've planted. There's a collective there's a collective pain. So there's a collective pain for us in childbirth. There is a collective pain for us in and fulfilling our purpose to be fruitful, to fill the earth and to cultivate it. And humanity experiences all of this together. So the story, and I take it more as a story than an actual event, but the importance of it is for us to understand some underlying principles that these things are going to happen and that, that because of the result of um, or the consequence of that disobeying obedience toward God, this thing happened that separated us and its impact is we had unity but now we don't. We understood our purpose and worked for it together and now we clash with the methodology we should use in, in, in achieving that. And in our relationship with God, there's hesitancy to approach God. When, Through Christ, we have free access to God again, but because we have that experience with God and because we've been told so many things in churches, not because anybody was trying to hurt us, but because like Eve, there may be a desire to protect and so I'm going to put a little more on some things that maybe shouldn't have been there so I can be protected because I need to insulate myself because God, um, you know, God can really do a whammy on me. And I want to be careful. When you see God sometimes as the, the whammy God, you know? that If I don't satisfy God, I'm going to be hurt. And even the method for our growth and increase was disrupted. Instead of there being a simple equation of seed, time, and harvest, what we get when we plant, whether it is a seed for a crop or a seed for an innovation, uh, an idea. Instead now of seed time and harvest, thorns and thistles sometimes come up before and during and after harvest. We struggle. Now, I know some of what I said, again, dashes against how our culture, our Christian culture works, how the world's culture works, because many societies are patriarchal, cultures are patriarchal. But I'm here to tell you, that's not what God intended from the beginning. God intended us to be like God in parent, child, and spirit, that unity that finds completeness in and with each other, that honors each other. That loves, supports, cares for, would do anything for each other. God wanted us to reflect God's image in that way. And so what I'm saying may, you may find control, to be controversial and I'm okay with that because we have to reason it out. We have to spend time with it and sort it through. And I'm willing to, to do that and not pronounce judgment on anybody who doesn't think like me but for us to sit down and share because no matter what, we're supposed to be unified. We're supposed to come together. And I want to come together. And, and I want to be a church that comes together in that kind of way. And one of the things that uh, the survey opened my eyes to was that some, as, a, as a community, sometimes we shy away from hard conversations. And I want us to learn how to have hard or difficult conversations. I want us to learn what true tolerance is, to have differing opinions but still stay at the table with one another and work toward common goals. I believe doing this is life-giving. Because a fuller understanding of what took place in the separation and its impact on us helps us to experience anew the breath of life that comes through the spirit living with and in us a fuller understanding helps us work toward what god intended from the beginning it gives us clarity about our work in bringing about god's kingdom it's what was experienced by those early humans before the separation and because jesus came to bring us together to heal what was torn apart we can Ephesians talks about, uh, in the fourth chapter, about why ministers and, and teachers and prophets were given. Until we come to the unity of faith, it says. And if it says that, then I'm hopeful in the belief that we will come to the unity of faith. And I'm working toward that. You're working toward that. But we have some things that get in the way. What we can do is we can renew our commitment to our collective purpose and this framework and the methods that God gave us to cultivate our relationships and to cultivate all of creation. But there's one more thing I want to discuss about trauma, because learning this, learning about the ex- what we experience uh, or that we experience trauma. Is not enough. Again, I'm not an expert and <laughs> I'm willing to make room for anyone who has more information than me. Not my thing. I want to learn just like everyone else. So, here again is my layperson's understanding of a little bit of what happens in the body when there's trauma. When we feel a sense of threat, um, our subcortical region of our brain is the quickest region to respond. We enter a state of fight, flight, freeze, or collapse, right? The brain signals uh, the body to release stress hormones that include uh, cortisol and adrenaline. Cortisol is the uh, uh, hormone that calls the body to attention, that action is gonna be needed. Cortisol impacts the hippocampus, the area of the brain that's responsible for our learning and for our memory. Now this area is responsible for actually making the memories. And then, um, so you go and learn something in class and you remember it, and then you're able to integrate them. You're able to, 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 to learn about, to, to synthesize all this, all this information that you have in your head and the hippocampus is participates significantly in that so it's impacted by the cortisol that gets released uh, prolonged situations of stress uh, cortisol or the remembering of of um, stress or traumatic events in our lives that release of cortisol can cause that hippocampus to shrink inside um sometimes we talk about i talk about um where my memory is going and and the impact what's happening with me this has been a a very stressful two years in my life and i am significantly noticing because i'm in this state of hyper arousal um, especially around race and things that holding on to things has been more difficult for me and it And understanding this allows me to give myself grace. It allows me to give other people grace. It allows me to to enter in a state of patience and peace so that I can wait for people to come to understandings for themselves and to explain and communicate with me. I can pray them through, encourage them through, be there for them, and I can allow others to do the same for me. The impact of cortisol keeps us from forming memories or being able to integrate synthesize this information we have in our heads. It may even cause the hippocampus to shrink. shrink. But the thing we need to know that is the hallelujah moment I think for me is it doesn't have to be permanent. Not a doctor, we can check some stuff with Charlene. It doesn't have to be permanent according to research. The hippocampus can recover. Now the second one, adrenaline. Adrenaline is released into the bloodstream and that cranks up our amygdala and it sends us into overdrive. The amygdala is the area of the brain responsible for emotional memory and is important in detecting emotions like fear. This is my, uh, this is why emotionally charged moments can get seared in the brain. And so you remember the feeling of what happened but you might even struggle with the details. The cortisol is is, is impacting your your memory of the details, the um, but the amygdala and how how strong the feelings were. You remember that, you know. Uh, for me, one of those examples would be when um, the space shuttle exploded. I mean, to sit there 9 nine eleven for other people. That was incredible. To sit there and see the plane come at the second, the second building, I will never forget that. I will never forget how much fear, because it's at that moment I realized this is an attack. And the first question I had was, where are my children and how quickly can I get to them? I will remember that for the rest of my life. So those responses of cortisol and adrenaline were, in, we're moving in me, moving us. And I would suspect I got no proof. Scripture's not going into those details, but in our cultivating creation, we've come to understand some things about the human body. And so we can know that to go through the shock that they experienced, the first couple, it must've been incredible. During traumatic situations, our frontal cortex, located in the front portion of the brain, goes offline. Now, when this is the area where we think, we plan, and we solve problems, so you're up against some major thing that's happening, your body's saying fight, flight, freeze, or collapse, and your brain is like saying, uh uh-uh, uh, I got nothing for you. <laughs> you have to do it on your own. And that is a horrible place to be in. At that point, your amygdala is lighting up like a Christmas tree, stress alert, something's happening here, and there's no planning function in the brain. Continual experiences of the state due to constant trauma or reliving trauma has serious negative impacts on the brain as well as the body. We can experience anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, I happen to believe that Black Americans in this country live in a state of PTSD. And When people say, why all oh, we got to be about race? Because it's about race and we're stressed out. It's part of our being. It, in the body, it can lead to chronic inflammation and heart disease. And so even this gets racialized sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that that you know, So Black people and other traumatized people, like poor people, We'll talk about them and blame them for their eating habits without giving space and understanding and validity to, they live in a constant state of stress and it has impact on the body. And it may be that the stress is causing is the the door that's open so that the other things can come and impact our hearts, our lungs, diabetes, blood sugar. Those other things. It would be nice if everything was A or B, but it's usually much more complex. So, not much more. So, our reality is impacted by the separation and the trauma of that. What we learned before is we cover ourselves up uh, that. The early original humans or early humans covered make coverings for themselves. And so we know that we too now make unhealthy coverings. We have unhealthy ways to deal with the stress that comes at us, the trauma that comes at us. And sometimes we have we, we deal in unhealthy ways because we have a hard time admitting that the trauma exists in the first place. When we recognize the truth of our situations hiding to prevent anyone from seeing the state that we're in. We hide from ourselves, we hide from God, we hide from doctors and counselors. And in some cultures, it's still seen as a weakness to, to find assistance for that. And, and, and in our, our religious communities, we just say simple things like God is gonna handle it and it'll be okay. But there are physical and, and psychological things happening to us. We're impacted by that, that, that live in our bodies. Our understanding of reality gets altered. And for them, not only did they experience the separation in relationship, but they had to leave the garden. And they left the garden in a hypersensitive state and, and being hyper aroused. They entered enter the undeveloped portions of the earth. Let me say this. It's implied in the scripture that those early humans were to cause the garden experience to spread throughout the earth. The garden was just supposed to grow and spread. For us now, the garden for them was the center of existence because it's the place where they were, where God was, where the purpose was. And so it was the seed for the rest of creation to experience this. For us now, because of Christ, the seed is in us through the presence of God and the Holy Spirit living in us in bodily form. God lives in our body. So God is incarnated through us. And through this center in our collective reality, us being together as a unified community. The garden, the kingdom, is supposed to spread throughout the world. But we carry trauma still in our bodies, and it impacts our experience of God and everything else. Our bodies have created, while we have been in these states of hyper arousal, Our children were conceived while we were in states of hypersensitivity and arousal, hyper-arousal. While they were being incubated, while they were being born, these chemicals, they were being bathed in these chemicals, and that has had impact on them. And so it creates a kind of insecurity of being bare and naked in the world and being ashamed because of the separation that causes us to try to cover up and to hide and so on, and to live in ways that are not as healthy. You see that framework that I talked about, that, that we were to be like God in unity, that that we are uh, to have this dynamic pers- uh, purpose, and that we have this, this, this relationship with God, that directs and and caters to us. That helps define the health of our engagements in the world. This is why, this is what makes God's gift of peace so incredible. Now Jesus said this, my peace I give you. He said, I don't give it to you as the world gives it. I give, I don't give this new normal peace that was that's laced with hypersensitivity and hyper arousal. I don't give you that, what we call peace in the world today. I give you the peace that was intended from creation. I'm giving you the real thing. Because though I am in, or God, Jesus was in this world, he didn't experience the world from the separation that we experience from. God's goal is to help us through Jesus experience what was intended to be experienced from the beginning. My goal is to help humanity once again experience that reality the way we were intended to live without this hyper arousal, without that hardship of of trauma impact on us. Jesus's desire is to bring redemption to what's happened And that scripture about peace is an incredible statement because they left the garden without peace. And yet here is Jesus saying, I'm going to give it to you. You can have mine. That peaceful state, learning to live and to cultivate that peace that Jesus has given us is a spiritual treatment. We may still need the psychological treatments. We may still need the physical treatments, but we need the spiritual treatment to help us deal with the stress and those those levels of stress hormones in our system. And that communing with God, this is why I asked you in the last week just to practice checking in with yourself and checking in with God to experience that peace at different periods of the day, to allow the spirit to lower that and us to enter into this state that is healthier for us, that is healthier for our bodies and our mental capacities. That for me, I can get up and get so tuned into other things and forget God, but when I get with God, it's transformed my thinking. It transforms, the ideas and the innovation that comes out of me, it transforms my heart rate. It transforms my engagement with other people. This is the treatment, this relationship, experiencing the peace that existed before in the way that God has given us to experience it now. Now, I know I've shared a lot with you today. and I tried to keep it simple because I, I want us to pay attention to the overviews. And if you need to listen to this again, please do. It's here. It's recorded. It's on Facebook. You can find it by date, and you can look at, look at it and listen. I want you to understand this. I got all of this stuff. Yes, I went to seminary, great seminary education. But I didn't get all of this because I went to seminary. In seminary, I studied church history and I studied, you know, uh, um, systematics and studies and ethics, all kinds of stuff. But in the putting together of, of, of the story of us, it's the Holy Spirit that has taught me. And, and my, my trips into seminary or formal study has kind of given me check that yes what you learned from the holy spirit it wasn't just you yes this is real and so that the gift of the holy spirit the, the job description of the holy spirit is to lead us into truth the holy spirit is helping to pull the the story together for it to come back into unity to be a cohesive whole and that stories we hear where the story of uh, of the fall women are horrible now and they can't be trusted. So they're no longer trusted with creation like the male is trusted. That is not, we all separated and the consequences may have been different, but they impact us all. And Jesus's act of redemption was the healing of that that wren, that rip, that tear, that split for us so that we can go back and enter into relational harmony, discover our purpose, as a collective, and then move for individual harmony as I am living and engaging with other people and participating in my portion of what God's called us to do in filling and cultivating the earth. None of this can be done alone. None of this. We weren't created to do anything by ourselves. And one of the main things that that separation created in, in our mental models, those things we, we, we created to make explanations for ourselves.
1: Looks like Pastor Angel is completely frozen. We'll give her just a second, see if her Zoom recovers. Looks like Pastor Angel was uh, booted out of the meeting. We're going to give her a second to come back in. Maybe her internet went completely down. She doesn't make it back in a moment. We'll move on. We've got some uh, great worship songs here at the end and an awesome uh, poem that's going to be shared uh, by our friend Sine Allen. All right. We just got a text message from Pastor Angel. Her internet went out, so she's going to work on getting back in. But we're going to move on, and uh, the first thing we're going to do is hear from from Sine. So give us just a second, and I'll move over to her wonderful poem. Okay, this is called Beauty Within.
2: Good morning, everybody. It's Danae here. Um, I miss you all, but I am very grateful to have this opportunity to share a little bit of myself with you. So here's my poem, Beauty Within. Let me start by being honest with you. I'm not okay with who God made me to be. I mean, yes, I love me. Well, kind of. I love parts of me. Everything to be exact except what you can visually see. I torture myself with comparisons to other women, judging everything I can find wrong in my neighbor. Not to put them down or to turn the speck in their eye to a log, but rather to show myself that even hers and hers and his worst feature are still better than mine. And then I go to the Bible to convince myself that it's all a lie. The God created man in his image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So for them, those who resemble God, which should also include me as a part of thee, but having my ego be too big to possibly see what it means and believe I can have God's beauty because I'm not really included in them, right? My favorites, the I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The marvelous are your works. But No matter how many times you repeat this verse, you won't feel wonderful or marvelous until your definitions forsake those of this earth, which hurt a lot. When walking into a room, I notice different things, not that I'm the only woman, person of color, short stature, city kid, person who doesn't know how to project a voice so she'll find a quiet corner to observe everyone from. I'm actually serving the room to prove that everyone in here is more beautiful than I am. The only reason I question my love of God is because I don't think I deserve his love. How can I fall saddled stagnantly in between waking up each morning, hating that face of me in the mirror, dressing it up with a smile, angling sideways to get a better look at it? How can I yell at my hips for being so wide, my stomach so large, my fingers so chubby, my body in no shape other than round? I mistreat myself again and again, and then I treat myself again with consoling luxuries of food that don't have the power to tell me I need to lose weight and then feeling the weight of it all. I go into periods where I think maybe it's just better to not eat at all. How can I love God if I don't love his creation? I'm standing in front of you hiding my opening up of mind with clothes on clothes bigger than necessary so that at least there's some room for error in my appearance. Wanting you to love the flaws in my flawed perception of my definition of the word beauty because the only place I see beauty is inception. The inside of the inside of the inside of my heart where my spirit, formerly known as the holy spirit resides I have a vow problem a problem with accepting myself even though I know that my body is God's temple and tell myself over and over again but still can't get over my pride so you tell me who am I to say that I'm not beautiful when God tells me that I am and it's not my job to say why so my vows with Christ as his church shouldn't be compromised If I forget trying to explain why, remove you or society from the equation, offer my body as a temple to my God, while I forget about my own opinions because no matter what I say, they will never ease up on a level of significance with the opinion of Christ that I am an A plus, plus in his eyes. By hating the only image brave enough to look at me in the exact same way that I look at it, I am hating the image it was created to resemble, assembled dust by dust, breathed with life by light, imaging a being, striving to be like our creator in every form except her opinion of herself, its creation. I'm inclined to believe that we have a problem with the word, because in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, who was love, and his all, love is altogether beautiful without flaws in his creation, which he saw as good. A beauty crafted in the image of love. So by the transitive property of understanding that Christ calls us beautiful, made us in his image, and said that it was good, the word is beauty. And by the word, I am beautiful, full of beauty, and full of the word, which mean the same thing. When your beauty comes from within, it has the power to be without blemish, without scars, or bruises, or cuts, or burns, excessive weight gain, or excessive weight loss, because it has the power to take on the sins of the sinful and conquer the cross i spend too much time looking for confirmation from worldly things if i just befriend god like his plan for me gain him followers link into the answers that he gives me through prayer post pictures of our daily encounters and give god my space senses that anyway i may believe that i am beautiful photoshop doesn't have an icon for radiance or sincerity or love perseverance determination hope or joy because you can never create beauty he creates you. Thank you, Mosaic. I love you and I miss you.
1: Amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. We're gonna go. <clears throat> excuse me. Into our last song, and then Pastor Angel has been able to get her way back in here, and uh, we'll kick it back over to her. In just one minute. You
0: rested the hearts. You us still the sermon um just wanted to remind us that the spirit is our teacher and has the assignment from the godhead to lead us in truth truth is discovered in and through our the varying stages of relationship we have with god and with each other in creation which is why i want you to know the spirit for yourself as a pastor, my job, thank you, as a pastor, my job is, um, is to help everybody in church make a connection with, with the Spirit of God, right? We are at different stages in our growth and development as, as, in maturity as followers of Jesus. So I'm just to help with that process, but I'm not supposed to stay in there as a dictator in any way, shape, or form. What I'm supposed to do is move out of that, back up, so that when you're ready to hear and to engage God for yourselves, that's happening freely. And I join the circle with all of us, us in unity, listening for God's direction as God supports us. I have a management, I have a spiritual leadership role in the church, it doesn't diminish that. But, it does, but my role doesn't diminish your voice and the importance of you participating in what we are to become. The thing that is so unique about our church is something that needs to be seen, not just in our community, but to let it overflow from our little corner into West Philly, into the rest of Philly, into the state. And we're not alone. So we're filling up our space while other churches are called to do the same with being racially or culturally competent, with being people who are in love with Jesus, working to deepen our relationship with the Spirit so we can hear and move and get into service and all kinds of things because the Spirit is directing us in how to do it. And life is not such a burden that's crunching down on us that says we can't be engaged. We can't do some things for all the reasons that get presented, but we view them as opportunities, that God somehow wants to use everything we have for God's glory to fill the earth. And there is a way and we seek it and we listen to the Spirit for the truth of that and how we can participate in what God is doing in the earth. I want you to know the spirit. I want you to know the truth. I want us to do the work of dismantling mental models that keep us separated. I want you to take your places of leadership in that because I need it for my life. I'm not the only voice to be heard. And there is room for you. There is space for you. You are needed, your voice, your insight, so needed. And we are being charged to be a community that knows that is a learning community. We're learning and and demonstrating that learning and how we live life together for the benefit of all, so that our purpose to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and cultivate it in joy and unity and peace moves forward. We have this gift already in us and we need to fan the flame, if you like that analogy, so it can roar up or we need to water the garden so it can rise up and when harvest comes that we're able to harvest and give off to our community, the overflow that seeds may be planted in more churches. So it's a good purpose. It's a we have a good assignment from God. So alone, we can't do that, but we can do that together. We can be together in this. And lastly, I hope people can hear me because I can't see you guys. And lastly, um, thank you. You know, uh, what I said about being born in the world after being bathed in all those stress hormones, those chemicals in the body. I want you to be able to see an example of that in scripture and that I'm not just going off in some la-la land. So I wanna tell you, if ever there was a stress baby born, there was, and it's seen in the person of Cain. Cain was born right after they left the garden, and the impact of all of that stuff on his life can be seen. I'm gonna preach about Cain and Abel next week, but if you would, I want you to continue checking in with yourself, checking in with God. For those that have spouses or significant others, I want you to practice checking in with yourself, checking in with with your God, checking in with your significant other. And that can be a time of quiet meditation. Nothing said just holding hands, but there needs to be a physical connection. So touch somebody in quietness and meditation and listen for the spirit together. Just practice it and see what God will do. And read the fourth chapter of uh, Genesis, Cain and Abel's story and we're gonna talk about that more next week. May you be blessed in the hearing of God's word, in the doing of it being lifted up off the pages, and us being able to see it and participate in it, in life, the realities of our lives. I love you, I bless you. I think, um, I'm getting a note, hold on, I gotta move away from this screen to be able to see that screen, yes. Yep, I remembered announcements. I'm, I'm remembering announcements. I So, end of sermon. Thank you. Bless you. Lord, bless the, the, the sermon. Bless, not the sermon, but the hearing. We all may need to hear the same basic thing, but there are little nuances, Lord, that I know you want for each and every one of us, kind of differently, but together. Bless our hearing to, to be able to hold on to those things. And we're listening for you and how you will teach us and direct us. In Jesus' name. Now, quickly for announcements, we only have um, a few. So we are planning our year. Yes, we are, even though we're in the midst of COVID. We're a little late in doing that, but we're we're getting it done. So the council's working on uh, our budget for the year. Um, I'm thinking of this concept of a mobile church because we've got this thing going on at least to the end of the year, more than likely into the next year. And we need to be creative because this time period could, could throw us off our square, and I don't want that to happen. And the thing that's beautiful about us is that we enjoy the connections. We enjoy getting in with each other. So I want to do that. So I may come to you in the very near future and say, can I, have, can I do the sermon portion of service from your house, from your front porch, from your backyard? Can you guys, can we be socially distanced, but people hear a response? And we're going to record it. So it doesn't have to be done on a Sunday. It can be done on another day of the week, but we have that engagement that, that people can hear and see other faces as we're doing this. So I want you, if you wanna volunteer and say yes, when you're ready, my space, or if you have a thought of a space that we could use, that would be great. What I want to announce today verbally, and you will see um, uh, things on Facebook uh, and, and email about it, is that the September 29th is when we're gonna officially get things started. And I want to start that by doing a having a homecoming, Mosaic homecoming, where we can talk about where we've been and where we're going and that anybody who's ever been a part of Mosaic, it would be an opportunity for them to check in and see where we are and we can check in with them. It can be beautiful. So that would be like a little homecoming weekend. So my plan for that Saturday is for us to have a citywide, grab you, your spouse, your significant other, and your kids and do a citywide scavenger hunt that will have surprises at the different places we go to. So that will happen on September 28th. And then we'll have the service on September 29th that is our homecoming. And I'm going to be getting with people to do some things for that. And I I just smile every time I think about the things the Lord is putting in my head. So it's going to be fun. And if anybody wants to work specifically on that, I'm going to need some folks to do camera work going to need some editing, which I don't know anything about, but I'm learning. I'm, 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 in, I'm in training right now. I'm reading and looking at all these YouTube videos and things, teaching myself because we got to bump it up to another level. And I promise you, I will bump up myself, my understanding, my learning to a new level. Are you willing to do the same for me? Because we love each other and we're going to go there. And our church is not only going to survive COVID, we're going to thrive in it. That's my determined belief. So on the thing we're working toward secondly i know i told you that aj would be here this weekend and we could meet him but it turns out the place that aj moved into doesn't have internet connection and he's not going to get it till later on today so we're going to move everything to next week but it gives me a great opportunity to say i want Raheem and aj to be there together and we're going to i would like us to pray for them as they enter into our community so if you can be there i would love you to be there live um If you could turn on your cameras for a bit, that would be great, that's really helpful to me. I don't care if you're wearing your PJs, I don't care. Just turn it on, turn on the camera. Um, And then lastly, uh, Jessica's in the home stretch and she and Andrew have been working on a bunch of stuff for us. But one of the things is a new database called Planning Center planning center has a feature it's going to alleviate a lot of the tasks that the director of operations has to do it's going to place it back in your hands so you're going to eventually within the next few weeks receive an email asking you to upload a profile for our our directory called planning center and you will have control of that and you will be able to use it to find other church members and there'll be limited information that will be available on everybody, but you can engage people, get their email address. We can know each other and communicate and whatever and put information we want to share in the database for one another. So I'm excited about that. And it's also gonna streamline a bunch of my processes. And right now, I just wanna tell you all of that is happening for free. You got it, we have it for free. So it's a beautiful thing. Um, Lastly, I wanna encourage us in our giving. We've been good to maintain things um during this the uh, initial phase of this crisis um and because our expenses were low it, the giving the level of giving it dropped but it was able to meet our expenses we're making hirings with uh, staff and everything so our expenses are going to go up somewhat and so i need to ask you to give uh, and to help us as we continue to do this work i want to thank everybody who is giving and listen, I had to start once upon my life, once upon a time in my life, with going through the cushions in my couch to get some offering money. I have been that low. And I gave. And through giving, God has taught me through giving, God let me do $5. So God, I'm writing a book called The Five Dollar Blessing, because the Lord showed me the showed me so much blessing in being able just to give five dollars here and there and there that it turned into hundreds and even thousands of dollars I was able to give to the kingdom work. So, and that's not to make you do anything because that's not who I am. It's to share the benefit, to share the benefit. So you are loved and man, you are really loved. I'm so glad to be a part of this church. I want you guys to have a wonderful week and to be blessed. I think we've done everything we're supposed to do for this service. So let me close this out in prayer. Dear God, thank you for today. And that even though there are all these technical glitches, maybe this sermon was really important and it makes me excited because when good things are supposed to happen, hell raises up and tries to cause confusion. But greater are you who's in us and thus in the world with us than evil and the devil and whatever, however we want to personify that evil, Lord. I thank you that you are are guiding us. And Holy Spirit, you are meeting us where we are Thank you for that. Thank you for loving us, and we trust your leadership into truth and how we are to engage in the world. So <clears throat> bless every home, protect Father uh, from COVID. Help us to think and be to be wise in our engagements and community. And uh, pray, Father, for those who are without that they will speak up. Thank you for those who gave generously to justice and compassion. That money is there for you. Bless everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. You are loved. Have a great day. Bye-bye.